a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton Pole, two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, my friend, how are you? Man, I'm great. You know, you know what I did today to just start start uh, tickling that fancy of college football desires? Do you, I, I take it something different than what you have normally done? I mean, yeah, I guess. I, yeah. What you normally do is I'm sure there's a normal college football routine for the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yes, every day. I sat down and watched some uh, Pittsburgh and UNC uh, spring training or spring spring games. You know, the one thing I noticed from the spring game for North Carolina, the little bit that I did watch of that one, I didn't watch any of the Pittsburgh one, is they it's not as clear cut who the quarterback is in mm-hmm. Chapel Hill. I think everybody's been talking about Drake May, Drake May, Drake May, Drake May, but there's two other guys there that seem to be pretty talented. I saw an off-balance throw for for one guy that was a, a real nice zip, sort of almost off his back foot on the run, uh, kind of zip going to his right. And scored a touchdown on it, so it was um, it's pretty uh, pretty good looking uh, talent. It looks like that they've got in their quarterback room. I mean, that that was kind of the the conversation, right? Like coming into this year, that we 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 would probably not see a huge drop off at quarterback because they've recruited so well and they've recruited wide receivers so well, right? But just just like with what you just said, d- diving in and looking at that. I could not tell who really the the better starter was, or really is this offense going to be humming like it like it had been before? And I mean, I think, and you and I talked about this at nauseum last year, but I still think one of the biggest problems at UNC is the offensive line. Like that's that's I, I don't think until that gets fixed, I don't think we're going to see a stellar offense again from North Carolina. Well, I wonder if they're in the uh, Amarius Mims sweepstakes <laughs> or not. Florida State and Flor- uh, Florida State Miami seem to be in it. Yeah, I, I mean, what was it? Bud Elliott's latest thing was that Crystal Ball was that he was going to go to FSU. Yeah, there's the clip of him meeting with uh, meeting with Norvell and one or two other people. What looks like at a car wash or a gas mm-hmm. station or somewhere outside that they're meeting. Well, and today on Thursday when we're recording this, he's supposed to be in Miami either tonight or tomorrow. Um, I think he's in Tallahassee this weekend. I think that's well, where he's at. And but I, I thought he was going to the hotel. I thought he was going back to back. I could have swore he was going back to back. Yeah, last I read, it was it, it was Florida State for the weekend. Multiple day visit to Florida mm. State. Checked into the hotel, so he might be in Florida State for Thursday and Friday, and then to yeah. Miami Saturday and Sunday. I, Maybe I didn't read that far into it. I just know. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. I mean, Knowles two four seven had him in Tallahassee. I I hope he goes to the Knowles. Like I, because I want I want Florida State to succeed. I want them to do better, do well. They need him. I mean, of course, Miami needs him too, but uh, Miami has already turned this transfer portal season into a big, huge benefit, and I don't think they're going to have any problem recruiting offensive line with Mario Cristobal there. So, like, I hope he goes there. And and, and just from the Georgia perspective, I mean, I just want to put it out there, like, in, in case no one has heard this, there's not really some villain here. Clay Webb has been there three years. He's not really getting heavily recruited. Um, he couldn't get on the field. Um, Amarius Mims is probably the most talented offensive lineman in, in in that room, but like talent can be overshadowed by work, 
And there are some guys who have just put in the work and put in the work and put in the work who have earned spots. And, and, and so he wants to play. And, and he's going to play. Like, he'll go somewhere and play. I don't think Georgia is necessarily missing out other than just having depth at the tackle position. Yeah, you, you're sort of a product of your success. Your iron sharpens iron. You're going to have, in this day and age, players are going to move out. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because it's a product of the success. It's the iron sharpening iron. And at some point, good players, some, you know, there's only five spots. There's only two tackle spots. And you might have six or seven tackles or however many you've got. So somebody's got to sit. Somebody can't play. Um, and in this case, it's Samarius Mims that's not the one that's going to be playing. He'll he'll most likely start at one of those tackle spots in, in Tallahassee or in Miami, wherever he lands, because uh, he's that talented. But at some point, you know, there's just – I don't think you rotate the offensive line quite like you rotate the defensive line, even though you may rotate some of the, some of the O-line. But it's more of a – the rotation stuff happens on the defensive line. So once you have starters, you're kind of set. And I, I don't, I just don't. Yeah. You can only have two spots. So, yeah. And, and again, like there, there's just no villain here. Right. Like, like there's no, like in, in other situations we've had. Well, and certain- I think you're going to have that, that, that's going to be the case at a lot of places. People are just, there's a lot of people in the transfer portal right now for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean there's a villain there either. They're just, it's yeah. the transfer portal now, so you you people jump in. Yeah, I'm no, I agree. I, I yeah, okay. So where where else did you want to go next? Uh, let's stick with the ACC and let's jump to Dabo and his ESPN article and all the fun that came from that. I feel like Dabo did a an, an article earlier this week um, or here recently with Chris Lowe of ESPN, and it's a long form article, question and answers all written, and, uh, he's, you know, they talk about all, a bunch of different things. And, of course, NIL and paying players, uh, that whole is – that that's a big part of the conversation. And, of course, Dabo has always said things that – I think he's phrased his standpoint to in a way that people are, people are easily confused because Dabo says, I don't like the professionalization of sports – and people think that that means he doesn't like NIL mm-hmm. because he doesn't like because professionalizing sports obviously means paying the players, but professionalizing yeah. the sport and NIL are actually two different things. Yeah, no. And uh, Dabo, yes. yeah, Dabo gets worried about NIL growing into professionalization, and so I think people easily attach themselves to Dabo's being the enemy, and Dabo doesn't like this, and Dabo's, you know, an old school just curmudgeon. And he's going to Clemson's going to fall off because Dabo can't get with the program. Well, it's, you're not you're not understand. You're not pausing for a second and reading what's really being said because because everyone wants to take one little snippet out. But and, and look, he probably could have made a different comparison than what he did um, when, when you talking about CEOs and stuff like that. However, his overall point, man, I, man, I agree with him like he has no problem with NIL. He has a problem with the education that the students are getting not mattering at all. And I mean, I've, I've been a firm, a firm proponent of that. Like I want, I don't want the education part of this to be disqualified. That's why I, I am against a paycheck type player. You know, like you, you come to practice, you're paid for it. You come to a game, you're paid for it. Like I I'm, I'm happy with them being paid for their name, name, um, image and likeness. They should be paid for that. 
because it's their name. It's their likeness. Well, and, 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 and with professionalization, there's one line in there from Dabo where he says – because then you can cut players and they have to start paying their taxes and they start have to you become an employee and then yeah cutting players is a is a potential there's an opportunity for that and the way players are cut now are you know it's not the same if you're on scholarship you're on scholarship and the whole cutting players now is is a little bit different than what it would be or what it could be under you know a professional model and then at that point, you're an employee as well. So, yeah, we don't have to require you to go to class, but we can require you to do a whole bunch of other things. And then that flips the script. Instead of, okay, we're only practicing you know, 25 hours for this week or whatever it is. Well, now we're practicing all week, and now you don't have the luxury of going to class and hanging out with your friends or knowing that practice is only so long today and then I can go and decompress and get with my friends and hang out. And you don't have to go make be a troublemaker, but just go and enjoy the college life and the college experience. But if you're an employee, well, then what does the summer look like for an employed player at Clemson University? That's going to look a, a, a lot different. Instead of the downtime that you might get in spring and summertime, that all looks different now. And again, the players might not care because they're getting paid. But at the same time, there is a trade-off. You're going to lose some things in terms of your uh, uh, your socialization, and not just from a fun standpoint, but I think they brought this up on the cover three. You know, life's, a lot of life is not about what you know. It's about who you know. There's Absolutely. networking stuff that you do when you're on campus and, and, and those kinds of things. So it's, there's a lot that goes into that that changes for a player, and, and I, I agree too. I, I think the middle ground has always been name, image, and likeness, and let the players profit off of that. And the NCAA doesn't have anything to do with it. The uh, the school doesn't necessarily have yeah. too much to have to do with it. And, you know, you let it be what it is. Now, um, I, I will say, I, I mean, I, I personally do think that, that Dabo was accurate, though, in that there should be some kind of regulation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. I, like, that, that's not what I meant when I meant NCAA doesn't have anything to do with it. They yeah. certainly need to have something to do with that part of it. I just meant the NCAA doesn't have to provide and, a paycheck. And 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 I, and when I say regulation, I do not mean in the cap of how much these kids can earn. If yeah, that, the, yeah, that's not necessary. Like that's not what I'm talking about. If these old guys want to spend, you know, five million dollars on some 17 year old quarterback coming to their school, man, that's a free market. Let them do what they want with their money. Um, what I'm talking about is these kids who can be taken advantage of because they're told one thing. And they're 17, 18 years old, and they don't understand certain things like interest or taxes or you know stuff like that. And they get screwed by a company who wants to sign them into a contract, and they're not able to read all the terms and conditions or for whatever you know whatever. And they end up or they don't understand them or they don't understand them. Uh, I do want to read this really, really quickly, Spencer, because this just came up um, on my uh, on, on my Twitter. This is from yesterday. Uh, Kirby Smart speaking on in, on managing NIL. Quote, I don't know there's a lot I, – I don't know that there's a lot of managing it to it. I mean, kids make decisions based on what they feel is best for them. There's not a lot you can control on that. I really focus on the guys that are here and want to be part of our standard, be a part of our organization, and be a part of the culture we've built. And that has to sell itself. And I'm worried about the ones that want to be here, not the ones that don't. No one is going to push back on that statement, you know? Like, and and that, and, and that just goes back to 
Kirby at times being really good in how he says things and what he says. And I think that even for me, Dabo has been kind of a punching bag for the dumb things that he has said. And I think that this NIL thing ended up being low hanging fruit, but where they, they only heard one clip. They didn't hear the whole statement. Right. And so, you know, and then, you know, then you've got Saban doing what Saban always does. And he's essentially throwing out a, (laughs) I don't know if a threat is the right word, but he's throwing out a warning. You know, he's going to take advantage of all of this. If, if, if regulations don't start happening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and that's, I mean, Nick Saban's always been very good at that part of it of he sort of sits back and he kind of throws his hands up and he says, is this really what you guys want for the sport? Because if so, me and my staff do a great job of taking advantage of whatever you throw down the pike. You do all this stuff to try to even the playing field. Well, you do realize that we can take advantage of this stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so we just widen the gap. It goes back. It goes back to, you know, so many people pointed out or complained about him when he complained about the, the, the offenses, you know, whenever he was talking about, you know, uh, fast paced offenses and people thought, you know, he was complaining. So, you know, he so people couldn't take advantage of him and know what he was doing what he was doing is is like y'all better do something because i'm about to take advantage of this and then he goes on to win three titles ever since that rant like and and so i you and i have i i love the fact that you and i have been pretty consistent on this together that we are all for we're all for players making money off their name and image and likeness but there it's just like the transfer portal there has to be some kind of regulation so it doesn't turn into the Wild West and that these kids don't get taken advantage of because at the end of the day, they are just kids, man. So the other thing from the article that really got uh, a lot of people's attention is Dabo in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And this is where I will I not really defend get, him here. <laughs> well, yeah, this is where I really get. Uh, antsy with Dabo and this is one thing that's always sort of bothered me about him because he does this all the time where he has done this at other times he likes to so Josh Pate has been very adamant that Dabo Sweeney is very much a, a me an us versus the world type kind of motivator and it's really worked for them so I think when Dabo puts things together he really has to manipulate it in his head to say everybody's telling me to do this very ridiculous thing and I just have to stand my ground and not do this really ridiculous thing. And so he's done it here with the transfer portal and he goes on about I've everybody wants me to go in here and and completely you know uh go to the transfer portal and build my roster and what does that say to the rest of my guys and uh go in here and it makes it sound as if he's being told by his bosses or something. He's got a gun to his head. That hey, you got to go build your your team through the rock through the transfer portal, and it's you look at Dabo and you think nobody is painting this extreme scenario for you to, about the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. We're simply asking, can you in your fan base, the reasonable people? There's five keyboard warriors out there, I'm sure that are, uh, you know, that think they know better and are, are being ridiculous. But the reasonable people are just saying, can we go supplement something on the offensive line? Can we go after Amarius Mims or whoever else? on the offensive line to help us out a little bit, because that's clearly a spot where we just have some sort of a deficiency. Nobody's asking you to get wild and crazy in the transfer portal and rebuild your roster through the portal. Quit, quit with this fantasy that makes you look like the smarter person by saying, no, we're not going to do that. And makes you look like the corny cheesy 
lovable guy to your guys where you're saying to them, well, well, we trust you guys to get it done and blah, blah, blah. Well, they're not getting it done. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, we, we, you know, the results are a big part of this. And if they're not getting it done, then they're not getting it done. So it's not the end of the world. If Nick Saban can go to the transfer portal, you can go to the transfer well, portal, Dabo. I mean, it's not the end of the world. I mean, dude, let's put it in let's put it in this context. Dabo can say this all that he wants. And look, he's two years away from being in the freaking playoff. Okay, so let's not act too crazy. But he allowed Darion Kendrick to to leave and come to Georgia. And Georgia doesn't win a national title without Kendrick. Like, and 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 so to your point, what you're saying is like no one's telling Dabo to go get 17 guys and completely blow off his, you know, the guys that he's recruited. But there have been guys to leave his program, including three quarterbacks in the last 18 months. You're telling me, Dabo, that you're you you're not gonna try to go get a quarterback in the transfer portal that could supplement that? Like that's what that's the kind of stuff that blows my mind. Whenever he's, it, I, I'm going to defend him, like I said, on the NIL stuff, but I will not defend him here. He's pl- he is trying to play man, old man on the porch football, and it's going to bite him. It is going it's going to end up biting him, and I don't know if it'll be this year because they do recruit so well, but it may be next year because also here's the other thing he refuses to do. He refuses to go hire anybody outside of his program, and and so if these inside hires that he made. Aren't, don't pan out. What's he going to do then? And because no one, I don't think anyone has benefited more from consistency and culture building than Dabo Sweeney as far as a coach in college football. Would you agree with that? Like, especially the last five years. Well, and I mean, Nick I'm, Saban's benefited but, from but all those I, things. But but when I said when I mean by that is he has not had any turnover. He doesn't have turnover as, from his coaches. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, no. Nobody's helped. The staff is. His yes, his staff is held together better than than anybody else for sure. And and he's been and it's worked. It's been beneficial. But now, you know, you sit here, old man on the porch, man, and you're going to get negatively recruited against, just like so many others do. Well, and and last little bit that I'll add, and we can move on. Is his first comment is this this scenario of I'm not going to rebuild my roster through the transfer portal. Nobody's asking him to do that. Mm-hmm. His second response is much more reasonable. Again, it, it's kind of like Dabo goes out there and kicks up the dust in order to kick it up. And then and then after he's done that, he comes back through and he says the thing that he should have led with. But I think mm-hmm. he likes kicking that dust up. I think he likes being a little bit of the villain and having everybody point fingers and look and say so that he can then go in that locker room and say, look, they're, they're doubting us. They're coming after us. They don't like us. They're, they're, they don't like you, Dabo. <laughs> Yeah, we, we trust all those players in that room. They're all five stars, and they're really good players. It's it's you that we get irritated with. Yeah, and I have a ton of respect. I appreciate the honesty. I pre- and and he's a good coach. It's I just think he stirs this stuff up, and for whatever reason, he, he gets me with it. I'm usually feel like I do a decent <laughs> job of of recognizing the BS, but with him, it's it's not the case. All right, uh, Texas football. Mm. Yeah, All right. let's go from one. Let's go from one ignorant statement to another. Yeah, so lots of things uh, for Texas football. Um, Coach Steve Sarkeesian said Tuesday that fifth-year defensive lineman Moro Ojomo, and I apologize if I get the name wrong, will uh, not be speaking to the media for a while following Lyman's comments last week about the Longhorns' culture. In an interview last week, he alluded to the fact that only some players would listen to his perspectives as a player who has been with the program since 2018. When asked to elaborate, 
He referenced the team's youth as well as systematic problems Texas has had in recent years. Quote, they're 18 to 22-year-olds that want to chase women, want to chase money, want to chase alcohol, and don't see the future. They're distracted by what's not uh, – they're distracted by what's in front of them. It's such a hard thing, especially guys that haven't been in a winning culture. They're always talking about coming in here and changing stuff. It's like ingrained. You're uprooting, what, 10 years of blank that has just been let go. He continues on, and there's a, there's a lot of guys are not focused on football is essentially the words that are being said. And, he, and, and a little bit there, he does it very bluntly, kind of calling guys out, throwing people under the bus. Nobody's specific names or not, but just saying the younger guys and obviously pointing fingers and throwing people under the bus. Steve Sarkeesian, of course, puts him on lockdown, comes back around. You know, you can't – doesn't let him talk to the media. Tries to smooth it a little bit with uh, his passion. I get, uh, I love where he's coming from, but we, you have to get your house in order first before mm-hmm. you can look to everybody else. And I think that this is a really good glimpse into if you're, if you've ever had an issue or struggled with the idea of what people mean by culture. I think this is it on two different levels. One, you've got guys that are not focused. This guy's is venting that right now. Guys that are interested in other things and they're not putting in the absolute best amount of work and focus on being the best football player they can be to benefit the team. And then you've got it on the second level where this guy's maybe trying to be a leader, but he's not quite sure how to do it. And he takes a stab at it and he ends up airing dirty laundry instead of maybe motivating his guys like possibly he was you know, trying to do. Yeah, Um. Okay, so I don't know about you, but I, I kind of feel like I, I have mixed feelings on this. I hate the fact that we don't hear more from players in college. I wish you we would see why. Yes, but also at the same time, like uh, he shouldn't he shouldn't have said this. He should not have thrown you know he didn't say anybody by name, but he shouldn't have thrown his player his teammates under the bus. That doesn't mean that we should throw the baby out of the bathwater and not hear from these players. And here, and here's some of the things that are going on in that are they're going on in, in these in these locker rooms or going on behind closed doors. Like I, I don't know, man. I, I enjoy hearing about this stuff. And you know, yes, he probably shouldn't have, have said these things, but at the same time, like I, I don't. The, the biggest negative I have is that Sark said he won't be speaking to the media anymore. Like, come on, dude, you said dumb stuff. You actually like you came to practice drunk one day. That didn't mean all of a sudden that you don't get to coach anymore. You were taught to do better, and I just think you should let this teach this kid to do better, or and help him choose his words a little wiser, and and let him come back. I just don't I don't like this blatant like punishment, pu- public punishment that he received, and you know, but but also at the same time, Spencer, what if he's right? What if the kid's right? Well, that's probably why he's in trouble. It's because he is right. He's he didn't say anything inaccurate. I don't think he did, and I don't think Sark's comments about it indicated that he said anything inaccurate. We can't air our dirty laundry. We yes. can't. This this kind of thing has to happen behind closed doors. Remember and remember the Titans when <laughs> you're welcome. When uh, Gary has to kick Ray off the football team. Yes, he goes to Coach Boone one on one, and then Coach Boone tells him, "You do it." And then he goes to Ray one-on-one, not in front of everybody, 
one-on-one, you're off the team. He's that's how these things have to happen. Oh, that's one-on-one. Right. That's, that's daddy, it, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. No, I, that's earlier in the movie. No, no, that's no, in, no. That's in front of everybody. No, no, no. When he's kicking him off the team, he the the guy gets mad and he comes back at him. And he says, "Oh, you're gonna listen to Coach Coon? Oh, that's right. He's your daddy, isn't he?" Oh, okay, yes, yes. As he as he's walk, yeah. Ray says that after as he's walking yeah. away. Yes, I, um, I remember now. I, I mean, do you, I guess do you see my point though? What I'm trying to say on behalf of the player, like just them having the ability to speak. I I just hate how these coaches close them off. So much. Well, I think you. This might be one of those things where we have to take you back to zero, and we have to say, okay, we we want you to we want you to do this better. He's not kicked off the team. He no, just doesn't yeah. have access to the media anymore, because hey, we've got to be able to trust you to go up there and say, not necessarily say the read off the script, but we've got to trust you to not air our dirty laundry, because now we have to go and fix, you know. E- if we're trying to work on those, excuse me, if we're trying to work on those 18 and 19 year olds and get them focused, well, now you've just kind of called them out and maybe made that process a little more tougher, a little more mm-hmm. tougher. Uh, you've made it you know, more difficult to, to do that because now those guys are going to look at you and be like, what the heck? And so now you're creating friction. And so something has to happen because you've got a culture problem and it's not going to help to do more negative things because you're already on an uphill battle. So I'm I'm okay with it from the standpoint of I don't know what else there is to do to help Ojomo understand and learn that, hey, this isn't the thing. This isn't how you do this. So a punishment has to happen. He can't talk to the media anymore. There's no telling what is happening You know, the rest of the way behind closed doors. I, I think I'm okay with looking at him and saying, you know, you know, we got to come down on you. I think I just, in the context of, in the, in the context of Texas, we continue to expect them to be great and they're not. And there's a part of me, like, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, I think I, I, I'm just, when he was saying this stuff, and you know, and I, 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 I watched the video, and then I read let read his, the script of it. It just was like, well, this is why Texas hasn't been great, is because yeah, because they're big, dealing with this, yeah, yeah, because of the, because of this garbage. Because and 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 he, here's the other thing. Here's probably the biggest crime he did. He kind of threw the coaching staff under the bus. Because whenever yeah, he no, says, yeah. when, yeah, whenever no, he says, good on staff or uh, on, on Sark, Sark, go ahead. All these guys come in here talking about this, this new mentality. You know, and like that's a direct shot at the coaching staff. Yeah, and that could be a. Re- I mean, in in Stark's comments is if you're going, if you're a family, you don't go out and talk family business. You got to mm-hmm. take th- care of things internally. So. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah. When, so when Lisa that's, and I have a problem, we don't go talk to people about it. We don't right, tell nobody. No. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. All, All right. right. Um. JT Daniels to West Virginia. Yep, the former five star. Former, oh man, I'm so sick of hearing that. What are his Heisman odds there at, uh, <laughs> at West Virginia? <laughs> I, I think it's actually like twenty five to one. No, dude, hold on. Yeah, like it's those are good odds, right? I'm not good with yeah, that. You know, th- those are good odds right now. Uh, JT Daniels Heisman odds or twenty five to one might have been him last year. Yeah, coming into last year is twenty five. It is, um. Right now, though, it is 
plus 2750, but he's still got a. He is still one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. He is seventh highest or seventh <laughs> lowest. Sorry, seventh lowest. So Bryce Young's one and JT Daniels still seven, but they have him listed as the as a Georgia quarterback. Um, okay, so yeah, they have it. So we'll see what happens after this. Ha- after this, um, okay. So the West Virginia side of this, I think this is a really good thing. I think that they have been a quarterback away. Um, I loved Greer whenever he was there. Um, when Will Greer was there. I thought they were really good. I, I think they were missing some pieces on defense. Um, I mean, they're definitely going to be missing pieces on defense because they lost four, their four starting defensive backs either to NFL or to uh, uh, Portal this offseason. Um, but if JT Daniels can stay healthy and if he is – I don't know how to put this. If he's good, then West Virginia will be good. And and I only say that because I don't know if it's bad luck. I don't know. I don't know what's been wrong with him. Um, you know, the last two years, other than just what we, other than what we've been told, you know, that he just had injury issues. Um, but you and I were talking about this earlier. I think it was either today or yesterday. Like the two toughest defenses that he played, he did not necessarily play great against. Mm-hmm in Cincinnati and in um, uh, Clemson. And and like I told you, against Clemson, we had we had more wide receivers than people want to remember. There were more wide receivers that were playing that game than not. Um, but also, there's probably a reason why West Virginia, Oregon State, and Missouri were the teams that were heavily recruiting him and not teams – like a Clemson or a Texas or a Oklahoma or a Michigan or an Ohio State or a USC or an Oregon. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, Yeah, you could certainly make the argument that all those places have somebody. But yes, sure. you didn't have – it wasn't necessarily a high-profile thing uh, to, to go get JT Daniels. And so some of that has to do with the fact that, yeah, he's on his third – this is now his third school – there's, uh, you know, what is the, what is the, maybe people feel like they know too much and moving around too much is, you know, everybody has seen Stetson Bennett and have thought to themselves, well, if you can't beat that guy out, you mm-hmm. know, then, then there must be an issue. Of course, you and me and, and, and other Georgia fans have, are, are under the impression that injuries have had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. And maybe other people will know that too, but yes, it is, it is certainly, you know, um, it does feel lackluster that it is the programs that it is uh, that have that have gone after him, and um, maybe what he'll make the most of it there at West Virginia. But yes, um, you certainly get the impression that moving around the injuries have uh, have caught up to him in terms of the teams that were coming after him. Yeah, like I, he'll he'll probably do, he'll probably do really well stats wise in a spread offense, which is what he'll be running, but. It's not that's not going to fix his mobility, you know. Like mobility has continued to be an issue. Um, but all that said, I think I think West Virginia has been kind of a quarterback away these last couple of years from being from being competitive, um, from being you know for having a shot, you know, at the Big Twelve, and and now they potentially have that. 
Well, and um, he's going to reunite with Graham Harrell as well. So he's yeah. back in a familiar offense. Maybe there's a, a little bit of help there from a learning curve standpoint. Um, he's not going to have a brand new offense to learn and terminology to learn. So that that should hopefully go a long way. Yeah. Uh, so, Spencer, quickly on the Georgia side of this. I don't, I don't have strong feelings, like either way. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in the quarterback room right now, regardless of who starts, even if it's Stetson Bennett. I uh, and I don't know about you. I don't. You're know you confident heard. in the pieces around the quarterback. Well, no, I like I'm I'm confident in Stetson Bennett. He just won a national title. But it also helps that we have the pieces around the quarterback position as well. You don't. You're not. Con, you're not overly concerned with who's behind the center, especially if it's Stetson Bennett, because last year you weren't overly concerned because he did succeed. A lot of his success was Brock Bowers and a good running game and good offensive line and all those other things. So I think, be, I think a lot of people are just fine with Stetson Bennett because he's surrounded by as much as he's surrounded by. Yeah, and and that's fine with with me. I uh, the spring game is in two days. Everyone's going to want Brock or Beck to step up and take over the spot. That's not going to happen in a spring game. Um, it'll happen. Kirby will make it look like it. Say again. Kirby will make it look like it. Oh, I mean, of course. Like, Kirby's going to play the game. I mean, Kirby's going to play the game as best he can. He's not going to separate himself from something that he knows. Um, the, but the key here is to – Regardless if it's going to happen or not, it, the key is to keep Brock Vandegrift on that on that roster after May first or mm-hmm. May second. That is the key. You make sure that Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandegrift are on that roster after May second, so they can't transfer. Notice how I'm saying those two. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is part of this that I don't think people are focusing on. Every like. I fully expect Carson Beck to be in the transfer portal after the spring game. Um, but as long as he can keep Brock and Gunner, like, just because, and, you know, and I, I love Josh Pate, and, you know, Josh Pate hit on this earlier this week um, or last week. You know, yeah, Brock and Gunner and Beck may have stronger arms, but, like, the quarterback that gives this team the best chance to win still may be Stetson Bennett. And I, that's what I'm confident. In. That's what, that's why I don't, I'm not going to get upset about it anymore. Yeah. So I, yeah, no, he, uh, he, he has the uh, a grip on the offense and all those things. And Kirby knows and what he's getting and he's feel safe and confident and all those things. Yeah. All right. Did, uh, did we have anything for the George Pickens aspect of this? I think both things can be true. Um, Catch everybody up who missed it because okay. I don't know if, I don't know how many people know about it. So JT Daniels announced that he was leaving uh, and going to West Virginia. He thanked Georgia for um, he thanked he thanked Georgia for uh, his t- the time he's going to West Virginia. George Pickens comments um, thank yourself and, and alludes to not thanking Georgia for for uh, for his time. And then Monty Rice. Adds like an affirming, confirming statement to it. So, a show of support for, for yeah, for what uh, Pickens said. Yeah, showing support for Pickens. Two things can be right here. One, 
Stetson Bennett. We won a national title with Stetson Bennett because Stetson Bennett was the best quarterback in the room for the team this past season. That can be true. It was true. We won a national title. I don't think we won a national title with JT Daniels with the offensive line issues that we had, with the lack of mobility, all that stuff. However, this can be true from from George Pickens and Jermaine Burton's perspective. They have seen at practice that JT Daniels has a better arm and they enjoy being thrown to by JT Daniels. That can be true too. But at the end of the day, what matters is what is the best what is best for the team in to get the result of a win in the game they're playing. And so I don't I like there were some people, man, getting really like, see, we told you George Pickens said it, so so Kirby was wrong. JT Daniels was the best quarterback. Like, okay, George, like, I, I don't necessarily, I've never said to myself, hey, I'm going to take George Pickens' opinion on everything. I want, I want us to throw him the ball. I want the Falcons to draft him, <laughs> but, but I'm, I don't need his take on who the better quarterback in that quarterback room was because I got a national championship from Setsa Bennett and JT Daniels has either been hurt or had issues for two years. So, yeah, both things can be true. That that's all that's all I mean. Yeah, I, I agree with that part. And um I think, you know, kind of going back to the Texas part, I'm glad that this is happening after the season and not, you know, something that's being vented out during the season. Mm-hmm. That whatever whatever thought processes there were during the year, whatever, you know, um division, if there was division or camps. Team Bennett versus Team Daniels. If that was happening in any way, I'm happy that the captains of the of the team were able to keep it from becoming a a real issue, and it never got out of hand, and uh, it never affected it never affected the opportunity to go win. So, um, so I'm I'm at least happy from that standpoint as George Pickens is headed off to the NFL. And it did look like he deleted the the comment as well. I looked for it earlier today, and uh, and couldn't find it. So maybe one of those veterans did reach out and said, "Hey, we still, you know, Nicobe Dean or somebody. Hey, we still Stetson's still here, pal. We, we kind of need you to uh, calm that down a little bit. We already have enough quarterback conversations going on that we don't need you throwing fuel on the fire." Yeah. All yeah. right, Heisman Heisman draft Heisman activity here. Yeah, you ready to do this? I think I am. So we're not going to do snake. We're just going to go like we're two people. There's no reason to do a snake draft with just two people. Um, back and forth. Yeah, just back and forth. So what are we doing? Explain what's happening. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I literally am taking this idea from the Cover 3 podcast. They went through and did a uh, they did a draft. They have four people on there and they picked, I think, five. Um Four or five people. We're going to pick five. Okay. Five players that we will keep track of, of uh, who we believe could, who who we're picking to win the Heisman. Um, Now, I'm not the biggest fan of the Heisman. That's not what this is about. I just think this is a good way of us talking about maybe some of our favorite players who will be there, uh, who will be there at the end uh, of the season going after this, this award. Where's Stetson been in that on your list? He was not on my list. 
<laughs> you I traitor. Have, I don't have a single you traitor. I don't have a single How could player. You possibly not have the great law firm of Stetson Bennett, the fifth or whatever it is, the third, fourth mm-hmm. on your list. All right, so who's who's drafting first? Um Oh, crud muffin. Um Lisa. In your head, get a picture one get a number one to five in your head. Spencer, what's your number? Seven. One to five. Oh, I'm sorry, four. All right. Uh I my my your what's your number? Four, you said? Four. My number's two. Lisa, what's the number? Five. Five. Okay, Spencer, you pick first. Okay. So I think my wife cheated, so you could go first, but that's well, that's all right. That's all right. Well, yeah. All right. So I'm gonna go. The, the picks one and two are too easy. Don't make this hard. No. Well, yeah. I'll go. I'll go. Bryce Young at Alabama. Okay. I feel like uh, that that wide receiver room is gonna be ready to go. Um, I think after last year and some of the off season stuff, I think Alabama has a has a culture that those guys will respond. And Bryce Young did everything. For possible to help put them in a, a winning position in that national championship game. And he was obviously very good uh, all season long as well. So uh, give me Bryce Young, Alabama quarterback. Um, he's very, very good. And he also has the other, you know, the the, the addition of uh, Jamar Gibbs, who or Jameer Gibbs, who's going to be a, a pass catcher as well. Okay. I, I think that I think it's a great pick. Um, it, it was going to go one, two. Um, no matter what we did, I'm taking CJ Stroud. Um, I think he has, especially even after losing Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, I still think Ohio state has by far the best, uh, wide receiving core in the country. And I think he is just going to put up stats on stats on stats this year. And I think they are definitely going to be in a comeback tour, so to speak, um, after last season and definitely when they play Michigan, um, and they open up the season against Notre Dame on national television. I think he is going to light them boys up, and I think he's just going to be lighting everybody up this year. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my pick, CJ Stroud. I kind of feel like the next two picks can go in either um, mm. one or uh, two type directions. Um, I'll, go, I'll go the other headliner, uh, Caleb Williams out of USC – uh, the quarterback there for the Trojans. Um, he's obviously going to be a big part of the offense. The defense is not super great, which could which could cost him in terms of wins. But the defense is not going to be super great, so he's going to have the opportunity to uh, to put up big numbers, especially in Lincoln Riley's offense. And if he does lead them to wins, and it's USC thundering back, and it's USC five and zero, it's USC eight and zero, he's going to be, and he's doing well. He's going to be red hot for the Heisman uh, at the end of the year. If USC is winning, just USC is winning, their quarterback is a part of the Heisman Trophy conversation. So I'll take Caleb Williams with my second pick. That was good. Give me, give me Tyler Van Dyke. There it is. Yeah, give, give me Tyler Van Dyke. Um, Miami has a stud at quarterback. Um, they are they they have they have wide receivers. They have offensive line. They have a really solid running back, which we'll talk more about in the coming weeks. Um, but Miami has a legit chance to be great this year. And even if it ju- this team just like I'm not sold on Clemson. I'm like 
I'm not sold on Wake. I'm not sold on NC State or Pitt this year. Miami has a legit chance to take this season, to take their take their conference um, by the hands. And if they can get in the playoff, man, I, like there's no way Tyler Van Dyke is not the reason, and also not in New York. So I think it, Tyler Van Dyke and Miami are in the same situation Caleb Williams and USC are in. A hundred thousand percent. If yes. Miami's thun, if thumping and winning and going, Tyler mm-hmm. Van Dyke's at the front of it, and Miami's back. USC's back. It'll be they'll both be at they'll both be there and they'll both be sitting next to each other and it'll be the uh, and then you'll have Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud there all together and you've got you know some of the all of the greatest you know programs or some of the greatest programs right they're all in New York and college football will be loving it. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'll go off the beaten path. Uh, I know, I know who you're about to go ahead with, with this next pick. Um, should have been in New York last year. And wasn't, and it mm. was a, uh, it was pretty uh, upsetting. Oh, I know uh, who you're taking. Yep, Will Anderson of, of Alabama is Great as pick. good a defensive player that there has been in terms of the Heisman conversation, uh, affecting the play, unblockable, seventeen and a half sacks, whatever it was, uh, the the twenty plus tackles for losses. You know, he was a monster. He was really, really good all season long, uh, and was a game changer and he plays on the opposite side of the ball from uh from Bryce Young. So Will Anderson, if there's a defensive player that could do it, he could potentially uh get that done. So give me Will Anderson. What would you say to someone if I said what would you say if I, I told you I I I think he would have to break the sack record to win the Heisman. I'm fine with that. I'm, I mean, I'm fine with. Yeah, I understand it's defense, so yes, something big has to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure. not, I don't think it's a bad pick because I think I think he should have been in New York last year. But I just I just curious what, what your take on that would have been. Um, all right, I, I know I'm taking I'm double dipping here, um, but I, I there's no way I can't take him with him on the board as my third pick. Uh, I'm going to take Jackson Smith in Jigba. Like he, he is. One probably one of the only reasons why uh, Smith and Jigba was third is because Garrett Wilson and uh, and Alave had been there for so long, and they were upperclassmen. But I think Jackson Smith might be actually the better better of all of them. And, He's the one that had the very yes. toe the the tiptoe in the back of the end zone against Nebraska. He's the tiptoe. Nebraska. He's the one who had that. What was it? Three hundred yard game <laughs> in the bowl game against Utah. Oh yeah, yeah. Where we? Yeah, he'd catch it in the middle of the field and just go for days. Yeah, yeah. That and offense, he's got CJ Stroud throwing mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, all right. Go, go. What you got? Well, I'm glad that you doubled up because I've been worried about doubling up. But I do feel like I've actually. I guess I have doubled up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Will Anderson and and, and Bryce Young, so I, I I will avoid that. I'll stay off the beaten path though, or I'll stay on the beaten path. Keaton Slovis is there at Pittsburgh, which which is probably not a bad pick to have here because the Heisman Trophy winner a lot of times comes out of nowhere, somebody that's not on the radar. But I'll take Jordan Addison, the Pittsburgh wide receiver, that's okay. uh, returning He's this really season. Good. Yep, that had a really good year last year. If a receiver could match what, um, what, um, oh my goodness, Devontae Smith 
mm-hmm. did a couple of years ago there with with um, with Alabama. This could potentially be it, especially if Keenan Slovis uh, latches on to that offense the way that um, the way that Kenny Pickett was able to these la- this last season. So, uh, give me Jordan Addison. Um. I, I, like I, when I was originally doing this, I I did want to take Sam Hartman, um, stud Wake Forest quarterback from last year. But man, just looking at their schedule, looking at their defense just being so bad, they're not going to win enough games, especially this year. Their their schedule's a little tougher. They would have to put up like almost fifty points a game uh, to to win all of their games, and I think that's what it would take. I think it would take an undefeated season uh, for him to you know be in, be in the you know be in the bigger conversation for this. Um, however, I, I, I think I think there's a I think there's a certain running back in this upcoming season that is not being talked about that is in a division that benefits wins benefits wins and ha- has uh, will have opportunities to get to, to get yards to be impressive and it's again it's a running back that I don't really hear anyone talking about and that's Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. Mm. Um. Braylon Allen is a dude and Wisconsin may have, may have their, their stud, like another stud. And I mean, cause like we, we could, we, we could spend so much time talking about over the last 15 years, running backs out of Wisconsin that have, you know, turned into that have been NFL studs. And I just think he isn't the next one in line. But if you look at their schedule, if you look at the division they're in, he will have plenty of opportunities to take. I mean, he can have a, Oh my gosh, a, a Walker. He can have a Walker, Michigan State's running back. He can have that kind of level of season that can get him to New York. Um, but that means Wisconsin. Kenneth have Walker. To. Kenneth Walker, yeah. Um at least I remember the Walker part. Um but he will have to he, he I mean he'll have to perform, but I think he will. I think and that, that Wisconsin offensive line is gonna be deadly yet again. And so yeah, Big Ten running back. In New York, yeah, and, and I like that. That's probably a better pick, re- really and truly, than the than the Addison pick. I, I'm not going to be uh, ignorant to that part of it. Obviously, Pittsburgh is going to have to win some games this season, and and Wisconsin, like you mentioned, is in a is in a good spot to win games and have a top performer. That's obviously a big part of this. So, um, with that in mind, my final pick, somebody who's don't you take him off the radar. I hate you. But is, I think, in a position. I don't know though. I don't know what they're going to do offensively. You're obviously used to this program being big on offense for the last many, many years. But oh, they're yeah. making a change at head coach. I'll take a. I'll take Dylan Gabriel there at uh, Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Definitely not who I thought you were going to take. Where did you think I was going to go? Um, the, my last pick. Um, who is that? Hold on, let me write down yours so I can keep track of this. I got. I got a preamble, man. I got. I got to get to it. Okay, well, very good. I'm taking a quarterback who probably is not going to win, but he is he was probably the most efficient quarterback in the country by the end of the year last year. He only threw three interceptions all season. He he is on the stage every year against Georgia and Alabama. He will have plenty of opportunities. He is gonna oh, be playing. He's going to be playing he's gonna be playing for in an offense that is very quarterback happy, that is very like I mean, this kid balled out last year. Um, oh. Give me Hendon Hooker. Wow, Tennessee quarterback. Look at you. Yeah, 
That's not bad at all. I wanted Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. That was one that I wanted, but then I realized, well, crap, Spencer, you've taken three Alabama players to win the Heisman Trophy. It's <laughs> probably not the worst. Yeah, it's probably not the worst thing in the world. The reason <laughs> I wanted Jameer Gibbs was because I think he's going to pass catch out of the backfield plenty. I, I could easily see him having 30 catches. He did a little bit of everything for Georgia Tech last year, mm-hmm. and Alabama now is back to having a, a feature-type running back on the roster, that could yeah. go a long way uh, for them. I don't now, think they'll switch their offense. I think Bryce Young will still throw it 35-plus times, but there's a potential that some of those targets are going to go to to Gibbs himself, and he's going to get yards out of the backfield. Now, I just there, there were th- – uh, we don't have to spend long on this because I know we've, been, we've already been recording a, a while now. Actually, not super long. Um – there, there were three guys that I just wanted to mention, and I, I will not spend long on e- e- any of them. One, I, like I have to mention, Derek Broussard, Michigan running back, um, who's returning this year. Um, just, again, the Big Ten running back situation, you, you'll have an opportunity. Um, there's Travion Henderson. I, I did not take him because I had already had two skilled guys for Ohio State, and I just felt like that it's just like a fantasy team. Like, you don't want to have that many guys on the same team. Um, uh, three, um, uh, uh, Will Rogers, I think, is probably a very, very dark horse for this, but I think he's a name that you should pay attention to because, Spencer, you know, we'll talk more about returning players and stuff like that. Um, here in the next few weeks, but Mississippi State is returning more players than anyone else in power five in, in the Power Five teams. They're returning more people than anyone else. Will Rogers is actually a really good quarterback. Like I, I'm not saying he's going to. It's just a name that I, I, I thought I'd mention. Um, and and and, I, and and then the just a cheated in there. Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State returning this year will have uh, Adrian Martinez at quarterback for Kansas State. I just think those two together could be really fun, and he could. You know, there's actually a threat that the quarterback can make runs, and so Deuce might actually get some. Deuce may get on the loose some <laughs> in games this year. Was there was there anyone else for you that you were just like thinking about or looking at? So, I'm, and it may be premature. It may not be this season, but I am interested in what Anthony Richardson could do at the University of Florida, if there's any potential there. I'm also interested if it's there's one last year in college football for for the legend, the myth. Um, and he you, you would think at some point it's going to come through that. Maybe now that he's away from all the the venom and the the nastiness down here in the south, and now he's up there in the in the cool weather of Oregon, maybe 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 Bo Nix can finally come through f- for you. Robbie, okay. I know you've been a big I know you've been a big proponent of Bo Nix, but maybe maybe oh, he yeah. can finally huge, come through. Huge fan. <laughs> Huge fan. Huge Maybe fan he can it. finally come through. You can ask. You can ask with Lisa, Joe Moorhead. I wanted to change my wife. I wanted to change my son's name to Bo, just to did. dedicate to Bo Nix. I know you did. Freaking. I remember. Look, I remember you called me crying, saying she won't let me do it. Here, here's. The thing. <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll say this. Look, I, I think you're actually right. There's a possibility that Bo Nix. He turns into that freshman version of himself or even a better version than that. Um, he could have a Kenny Pickett type explosion year. You know, this will be his fourth year. He 
you know, he'll be playing Joe Moorhead's quarterback. You know, it's quarterback heavy, and I don't mean that Justin. I mean, all offenses are quarterback heavy, but he'll be running quite a bit in Joe Moorhead's offense. And I think that's something Bo Nix obviously likes to do. Um, I mean, the likelihood, I don't know. I, as you were just pointing out, I'm not the biggest fan of Bo Nix. Would you say that the Oregon roster is more talented than any of the rosters he's been on at Alabama or Auburn, I'm sorry, from an offensive standpoint? Yes. Can can I also, just since you mentioned that, I also find it freaking hilarious that FBI came out today and they have Auburn 10th on FBI ranking, which Auburn might have one of the worst rosters in college football. Oh, FBI. Uh, yes, but but to your the, be- to your the point, beautiful people at, at ESPN and they're yeah, just what what the freaking crap ever. And Texas was six, bro. Um. Anyway, to to your point, yes, he will have a better talented roster, and, and honestly, he might be have he might have a better coach. You know, he might oh, have better, sure. he might have a better coach. Um, I don't know how Dan Lanning will be as a head coach, but I do know Joe Moorhead's a really good coach. Um, so so yeah, you know that's you taught me into it. That that's actually I, I can actually buy that happening. So, all right, very good. So my team is Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. Jordan Addison, Dylan Gabriel, and Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. You've got C.J. Stroud, Tyler Van Dyke, Jackson, Jackson Smith, Smith and Jigba. Jigba. And then who was your other, your final pick? Oh, Braylon Allen and that's Hinden right, Bra- Braylon Allen and Hendon Hooker. That's right. I'm sorry, I didn't write those down. But you've typed it all out of there on your end, so very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything left for today? Um, no, just uh, just let the listeners know that we're. I'll, I'll start posting like kind of questions of the week that we'll be having that we'll be covering, so y'all can get back involved. And um, I'm I just continue to love talking about college football with you. I love you, dude. Well, well oh, I love you too, pal. Yeah. Oh, speak. Oh, Tear. really quickly. I this is completely random, but I don't. I think this is a good podcast. I had a student walk up to me yesterday and and say, Mr. S, what is this? And then show me their phone. When, when a student shows you your phone and says, what is this, a 14-year-old, you have God knows what idea. You have no idea what they could, what they could be showing you. Yeah, it could be a squirrel eating a sponge. It could be a, you know, a raccoon getting hit in traffic. You have no idea. Could, it could be something nefarious. Could be, it could be know, something not nefarious. safe for work. It could be, yeah, it could be, so, yes. Spencer, it was a video of you, me, and Jamario. Oh, my God. Recording, <laughs> recording a radio show. Oh, heavens help. In, in at Valdosta State. Jeez Louise. I'm wearing my Syracuse jersey, and we're talking about college basketball and NBA together. Yeah, we are. If Jamario was there, then that we were definitely talking about basketball. I thought you I thought you would laugh and you did. Yeah, so. I did. <laughs> wow. Yep, those are still up. Eric and Spencer in the evening. That very first venture into radio. That is uh that stuff's still there. And there's I mean, and obviously you can find the early version that we try to do of this in, in our in my apartment in Bad Austin. Oh heavens. Oh boy. <laughs> that I'm glad I'm not going to bed anytime soon because that would give me nightmares. Yeah, it would. All right. Anything else? Any other bad memory? Not bad memories, but any any other traumatizing memories you'd like to bring back up? No. Um, we are three weeks away from Doctor Strange and the Multitude of Madness. And uh, you're, I've you're, really been enjoying Moon Knight, by the way. 
Yes, I have too. Lisa and I are gonna dial in and watch that watch that third episode. Um I think Oscar Isaac is doing the the best acting job of anybody of the MCU TV shows right next to uh, Elizabeth Olsen. I thought everything I thought all the acting has been good and her acting the, all of the acting in in WandaVision was very very was very good. And I know a lot of people like the Loki stuff which again was solid, but I think Oscar Isaac is I mean he's turning in a it's he's, more complex. He's he's, yeah. he's asked to he's asked to do a more complex thing. Yeah, and, no, that, I agree. and that's true too. Nobody's being asked to do what he's doing. You're right. Um, no, I thought it was great. Um, I think it's great so far. And I mean, but this th- this is probably the a problem for the bigger, you know, big, bigger picture. I I really hate that all these shows they're doing are only like six episodes long, and they're only like they only seem to be like one season long. Um. I just kind of, I kind of wish it would be, e- either it'd be more episodes. We we know there's more episodes, or that there's going to be another season of these to come. But this, the last year and a half, these TV shows have all seemed to be leading, except for Moon Knight, have all seemed to be leading to multitude of madness. You know, um, and so oh, oh for sure, especially and, obviously Loki and what you WandaVision. call it, WandaVision, yeah, and any and. and I, but like I said, I, I like you said, I've, I've really enjoyed them. Um, uh, I was talking to the funny thing is, and we, we, we don't have to spend too long on this, but um, we don't we don't get to really nerd out about this stuff anymore. And this is our podcast, so we can kind of want um, the there, there are other nerds listening to this. So. Yes. Uh, I was talking to someone about the fact of how, uh, you know, DC is getting bought out by Discovery. Discovery has talked about how they're going to overhaul or they're thinking about overhauling, not just. Not just movie stuff, but um, comics and other entertainment. But they also – one of the statements made is that they want to find their their Kevin Feige. And and, you know, I I do agree that that's – they don't need someone with the success of Feige, but they need someone – they just need one person with a vision Mm, to help help get cohesive. Like there's only been two movies that I haven't loved or liked from DC – um, so like I'm, I'm more optimistic about the DC films that we've had than, than others. And that's perfectly fine. I'm a DC fanboy. I have no problem admitting that, but I was talking to someone today about how lucky, like how, how great Feige is, but how lucky Feige got. Um, and just how because, so? because he had, you know, he had done, he had done like 13, 13, uh, superhero movies prior to the MCU. And and how they had he had, so he had kind of learned what not to do in, in a lot of ways. And but also all of this transpired before Iron Man came out. RDJ got his life together, which is a huge deal. People don't realize how big of a deal Robert Downey Jr. really is for this Marvel universe. Well, of course they do because they've seen how much money he makes. But it, like if RDJ doesn't get his life right, I don't know if there was a better person to play that play that role that would have been as captivating but also would have been able to promote have the personality off screen that he did you, you know what i'm saying you know what i'm getting at also um uh brian singer left the x-men series after x-men 2 he left the x-men series to go do superman returns superman returns sucks x-men 3 was an utter failure spider-man 3 ends up being an utter failure F- fantastic 4 1 and fantastic 4 2 were also failures and so when Iron Man hits, and it hits well, obviously, we don't re- people people were hankering for a comic book movie that was close to source material and actually well acted, 
and we didn't realize how much we wanted a superhero world on screen. Like we had the we had the, you know we had the Spider Man movies that were great. We had the you know the first two X Men movies that were great. But like we didn't really realize how much we wanted. Oh man, we wanted an Easter egg for the Avengers. You know, like we didn't realize we wanted these things until the stars aligned. They and they didn't even film that Avengers connection at the end of the movie until like two weeks before the movie actually premiered. And and so whenever I say that Feige got lucky, I just mean early on. I don't yeah. mean after the fact. I just mean early. Sure. And Things fell into place. They they really did. And and so when it comes to DC, DC could have easily done the inverse. They could have started with Justice League and branched out. Like comic books do it all the time, and they do it really well. And they could have done it here. The problem is, and, and even though I defend his movies, especially Man of Steel, that they they backed the wrong horse to lead to lead the universe. Snyder was not the right guy to be the executive producer like Feige was. Yeah, he just didn't have the best vision, and so I hope that. Well, wasn't there a lot of other arguments that there were other people? You you know you didn't have everybody pulling in the same direction. Yes, yes. Executives, you know, uh, front office people would come to on set and make them change things. Like it wasn't just directors' faults. Um, you can't have you can't have the boosters involved. No, you can't. Jesus, not like that. Yeah, college world definitely shows us that. Um. But yeah, I just I I, th- I think DC has, in my opinion, has the much better characters than Marvel as far as the comics go. And uh, my buddies, I have some friends who are massive Superman fans, and even though I will argue tooth and nail that Man of Steel is a great Superman movie, I will say that Justice League and Batman vs Superman do not illustrate the greatness of Superman, and I do hate that for them that they have yet to see a a great version of Superman in, in, in that kind of context. And I hope that Henry Cavill gets a chance to do it with the right directors, the right, you know, everything else being correct. Um, but yeah. Well, and, and Superman's tough, you know, it's hard to, he's a difficult character to do when you, when he can't be beat up and he can't be hurt. It's kind of hard to, how do you, how do you do that? So it's – I think everybody has had a tall task with exactly what to do with, well, uh, with I, him. And, and, and you're, you're right. My argument would be what you do – what you do – what you focus on with Superman is you focus on the Clark Kent part. But it doesn't have to be this like emo version of him. It can be like – I don't know. He, as an investigative reporter, he is uncovering something, and some government official wants to take Clark Kent out. But they can't because he's Superman, and he keeps he keeps overcoming their 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 attempts to assassinate him, and it becomes a it becomes a Clark Kent and Superman versus like these corrupt government officials. Like I don't know, I I just was that's just a dumb idea that I threw out there. Um, it. Well, I don't mind. I mean, go go ahead. Yeah, I, you're not bothering me at all. I think about this stuff all the time, but the, but then at the same time, like, so yeah, I think I think we all do. I think yeah. the other nerds that are listening think about this stuff all the time too. DC does this stuff though. Like DC is doing a lot of stuff. Well, their their animated movie stuff is fantastic. Their their TV shows. I don't count the Arrowverse because the Arrowverse should probably have been dead about two or three years ago. Um, but they they had a really good run. But their movie like their like Titans, Star Girl, and Doom Patrol are all really fun shows. Like they're really enjoyable. Um, who is uh is is the boys? Is that a comic book or is that yes. That is a that is a comic. Uh, 
Because I, I know, doesn't Seth Rogen have something or... to do with the TV show? Say that again? Seth Rogen has something to do with the TV yes, show, he's, right? He's one of the producers of the show, yeah. I, yeah, I think somewhere in there, I, maybe I got confused on if he was a part of the... If this was a, a, a superhero thing that they came up with, or if it was a comic, I couldn't I couldn't quite remember. But Dynamite Entertainment. Gotcha. Dynamite Entertainment did it. <clears throat> um, there are so many things that are comics that are... Yeah, there's things you didn't realize that were comics. I never realized Men in Black was a comic <laughs> until until not long ago. History of Violence is a comic. You I, already know this. I'm just throwing stuff no, out. No, that one I did not know. Thank yeah, you. Think that's yeah. Well, there you go. You're welcome. Yeah. I do. It I again. mean, the the obscure the obscure didn't like the obscure comic to movie uh, situations are like. Well, easily people knew V for Vendetta was a was a comic. I mean, it's a guy wearing a mask with night with daggers, um, but like people didn't realize that Three Hundred, you know, was a comic. Um, uh, what's the other Alan Moore one? Uh, crap. Sin City. Um, no, that Alan even, Moore. Oh, Sin City's dope. But um, Wanted, Wanted was another one. Oh yeah, that was a comic. You know, my wife just mentioned Watchmen, like. Watchmen's, yeah, my, I, Watchmen's my favorite comic book movie still to this day. So, like, because it's like frame for frame the comic. Right. I, I freaking love that movie. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, thank you for this. I didn't, I didn't, well, know you're welcome. I, I didn't know I had all this information I needed to get out of my head. Well, I, I do what I can for you. And yeah. I've just been listening. I don't have a, <laughs> I have a whole lot that my, my mind has been consumed with. Uh, with Stranger Things at this point, yeah, baseball, yes, but in terms of stuff to watch and um, shows to follow along with, I'm I'm very much excited for the Stranger Things trailer that came out earlier this week and or came out recently, and uh, and I'm ready for season four. It's it's been since 2019 that that show that season three of that show came out in 2019. I didn't realize it had been so long. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I remember when you and I were watching. You and I were watching Game of Thrones, and I had, you know, I had read the books, but I remember those last two or three seasons when the, the yes, the last three seasons when they had kind of gotten past the books. I remember just almost every Sunday night or every Monday morning, you and I were talking about theories and stuff to come and things like that. And I kind of hope we get something like that here in the future. Maybe, maybe it'll be Lord of the Rings. Um, I know that. Well, and I, I can tell thing, you but. because of. Game of Thrones and how deep we I got into some of that theories and people breaking episodes down and going back to the books and stuff. I I don't I don't want to do that again. As deep as I got mm-hmm. on like the YouTubes and stuff, our conversations were fine. Conversations I had with other people were fine. But once things were being predicted and then they happened, it almost took away from the show. It was kind of like, oh well, we were expecting mm-hmm. that. I can see so that. it was it was nice because I I go back to watching Endgame and and Captain America picks up Molnir and it was I had no idea that that was coming I had no idea that there was the possibility of that 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 was talked about no I didn't have any idea about that and maybe I'd heard later on on a review of the movie or something that it was speculated that it was going to happen or whatever but I'm glad that I didn't know it was speculated or that it was a thought process if it was. Because it was just as fun to see it come out of nowhere and be totally surprised by it. You know, Thor's about fat. Thor's about to get killed, 
and you know the damn hammer picks up the, the hammer sorry picks up and it's uh you know he has it and spent it. That, that whole thing was just great because you didn't know it was coming well and, and but here's the bigger reason why you didn't realize that why you didn't think it was going to happen is because avengers 2 showed us that he couldn't lift it because he literally tries to lift it in avengers 2 right and he can't lift it because of the tony secret is that right has any have there been have you heard any theories as to why he couldn't lift it? Or um, didn't lift it. Uh, I mean, no, of course, yeah. I mean, I think that I think that theory is 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 cool, is fun. But I, my, which one I, specifically? I'm sorry. Is that that he was holding on to the secret about the the death of Tony's parents? I I think it more had more to do with how how Captain America handled failure, and. And how he became like he became truly worthy after a civil war. Like that's that, that that's my fun belief. Yeah. You I like sh- it. My wife my wife's making fun of us. Well that's all right. We we can go if we need to go. It can be the end of the <laughs> we have now recorded for another thirty minutes of nine football stuff. So congratulations, bonus material here on the uh uh on the uh, on the podcast so uh two friends one love that is college football you can find robbie online spider dude 64 uh spencer underscore van horn v-a-n-h-o-r-n again that's all on twitter be sure to like rate review and subscribe we'll catch you on the flip-flop later later